0: Welcome to this midweek time of prayer and devotion with Crosslands Baptist Church. I hope that you've had a good day today, and tonight we're going to be finishing up our series that we've been in for the summer in the Psalms with Psalm 150. So if you do have a Bible or want to find one, uh, then I'd encourage you to go ahead and turn there. Uh, but I want to pray as we get started tonight. And ask the Lord's blessing on our time, and then we'll get into our Bible study. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm sure some other folks are joining on as well. And uh, after I pray, then we'll get into Psalm 150. Father, thank you for the blessing of today, for your grace to us. It sustains us in all things. Uh, we ask, Lord, that uh, you would continue to bless us and watch over us, guide us, show us the way. Uh, Lord, and we'll walk in it. Uh, We ask that you would forgive us where we failed you, and that we would come to you with clean hands and pure hearts. And I do pray, especially as uh, school has started back in some form this week uh, for most, uh, we pray that you would watch over and bless the kids and the staff and help everybody that's trying to navigate uh, these unusual circumstances until things improve and we do pray for improvement we pray that there would be a dramatic improvement with the circumstances that we find ourselves in and in the meantime teach us what you want to teach us help us to grow from it and especially to uh, grow in our faith and our trust in you i pray for those in our church family that are dealing with uh, physical issues and health concerns Others that are dealing with family problems and financial needs, job issues, everything in between, Lord, you're faithful and you always sustain us and for that, we say thank you, and I pray it all in Jesus name. Amen. If you haven't been joining with us on Sundays, uh, we're continuing on in our regular schedule with the eight fifteen nine thirty and ten fifty uh, we're live streaming at 9 30 and 10:50, 50 uh, and for those of you who are able to be here in person uh, we still have plenty of room for social distancing and spreading out in the building and we've been careful uh, in proceeding with caution uh, but I've been encouraged by the faithfulness of our church family uh, both in uh, participation and also in giving. We're continuing to Uh, Look for some creative ways that we can minister and do some things during this time Uh, We've been trying to send out some updates so that you're aware of what those things are so you can pray Uh, We've been doing some things with our mission partners as well as some community projects And we'll send out another update before the end of this week and let you know about those so that you can pray about it Well, psalm 150 is the last psalm in the psalter And the message tonight is entitled, Praise God in All Circumstances. There's an effect, a psychological effect, called the negativity bias. And it refers to our tendency to be drawn toward and to attend to and to learn from negative information more than we do positive information. That can be to our own detriment if we're not careful because It draws us toward a glass is half empty kind of thinking and it makes us negative more than we should be at times but it basically has to do with how we process both negative circumstances and positive circumstances in our world and even we when we perceive a day to have been a good day for example if we have one bad thing happen that stands out in particular, that's what we tend to focus on. And maybe you struggle with that yourself. Maybe you've developed a negative and pessimistic mindset toward life, and that's certainly not how God wants us to live. So what is the solution for that? Well, the power of positive thinking is not the answer. Uh, That just masks the symptoms, so to speak. And also simply looking on the bright side is not enough. Uh, That's a humanistic approach. That's a people-centered approach. The biblical solution is to develop a God-centered way of thinking that changes our outlook and helps us not to deny reality or to ignore our problems, but instead to learn to praise God as the solution to our problems. Now, as we arrive at the end of the psalms, we're reminded that each of the last five psalms from 146 to 150 begins and ends with the words, praise the Lord, or depending on how it might be translated, hallelujah. This last psalm serves as a grand finale of praise. And in it, we are instructed 13 times in six short verses to praise the lord and i think the main idea is this god's word instructs us to be a people of praise in all circumstances god's word instructs us to be a people of praise in all circumstances so we're going to look at these short verses there are only six here uh, section by section as we go along in these few minutes that we have together The first thought that I want to share with you is that we're to praise God everywhere. I pick up reading in verse 1. The scripture says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament. Now, I find it interesting in life that we communicate what we appreciate. And I share a little story with you about something that happened to me last week or so. A little silly illustration that I think will help you think about this. Uh, people are passionate about different things, and I was in a sheets here in Cross Lanes, and there was a delivery man there, and he was on his break, and uh, he was a big, tall, thin guy. Uh, didn't look like he ate very much at all, but he's standing there, and he asks the clerk at the desk for something specific, and then while the clerk goes and looks for it, he turns around, and he looks at me, and he says hey man, have you ever had this cheesecake that they get from the Cheesecake Factory? He said, it is the best stuff ever. He said, I absolutely love the Cheesecake Factory. He said, and I get these things for my break and for my snack. So I sent that guy to go get me a supply of these little cheesecake bites. And he was so passionate about this little dessert that he was willing to turn around and talk to an absolute stranger about something that he appreciated. And I thought about it in that moment, you know, are we that passionate about the things that matter to us? Are we passionate about the things of God? Do we communicate what we appreciate? The scripture references here God's sanctuary. That refers to the gathering of God's people and also his dwelling place. Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Now, in the Bible, we see a progression of the gathering of God's people for worship. Uh, we see the presence of God and the glory of God manifested in the tabernacle, and then in the temple, and then in us as the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. In the tabernacle, it was a temporary place of worship that the Israelites built according to some very specific. Uh, construction uh, guidelines that god gave them and it was to be used while they were wandering in the desert until god would use king solomon to build the temple the word tabernacle literally means a dwelling place the tabernacle had an outer court it was 75 feet wide by about 150 feet long the whole tabernacle was it had a 15 by 45 foot structure in the back the court walls had linen curtains that were attached by bronze hooks kind of to a series of pillars the pillars were supported by these bronze sockets and they were held in place the gate was always to be placed facing eastward uh, and it had about uh, 30 feet of blue and purple and scarlet woven into a curtain of linen and then the tent of meeting or the tabernacle was divided into two rooms the holy place where the table of showbread was and the golden lampstand and the altar of incense was and then the holy of holies or the most holy place where the ark of the covenant was the rooms were separated by a veil now it's interesting that when they moved this tabernacle whenever they were ready to move about in the desert on their wilderness journey that it was fairly easy to take apart and to move that's how god had instructed them to make it Uh, The Ark of of the Covenant was carried on the shoulders of the priest, and the rest of the the tabernacle was carried on carts that were drawn by oxen. And the purpose of the tabernacle was to provide a place where the people could properly worship God. It was to be a sanctuary or a dwelling place, a gathering place for God's people to come and offer sacrifices and offerings and so on. When we got to the time of the temple, Uh, the temple was constructed during the reign of solomon in jerusalem now solomon indicated even in his prayer of dedication that this temple was never intended to contain god because no building made with human hands can contain god but king david had wanted to build one you remember god forbade him to do so because he was a man of war Uh, but they prepared the materials and then they brought them to the building site to put them together the temple was massive the ceiling itself was some 180 feet long and 90 feet wide and 50 feet high the highest point of the temple was about 20 stories high and we know from history that the babylonians uh, destroyed the temple 400 years in And then 70 years later, another one was constructed and then later was expanded upon. And again, just like the tabernacle, the temple uh, was to provide a place where God could be worshipped, his glory could be made known. It was a sanctuary and also a place of sacrifice and of offering. Now, when we come to the new covenant that was secured through the blood of Jesus and the power of his resurrection— God takes up permanent residence in the life of every believer in Jesus Christ. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit gives you eternal life and the very life of God because he comes to dwell in you. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 19 and 20, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Now, I think it's important as well, not just to note the context of the Holy Spirit indwelling us as the dwelling place, the sanctuary of God. But this also speaks to the importance of our living holy lives before God. And he was speaking there in that context in 1 Corinthians 6, particularly about sexual immorality. Now, unfortunately, many in the church today concern themselves very little with sexual immorality. In fact, sexual immorality, whether it be before marriage or uh, extra activity during marriage or anything that's outside of that union that God has brought together, is pretty much ignored and looked over even in the modern church we've lost a sense of holiness and we've also lost a sense of shame but if we follow the biblical model and we understand that the spirit of god lives in us not only will we want to avoid sexual immorality but we will want to live holy lives uh, empowered by the spirit of god so that we can bring honor and glory to his name today there's no tabernacle there's no temple instead We are the habitation of the Holy Spirit of God. And the purpose of our lives as the temple of God is to be the place where worship of God begins. Now, we gather together collectively as the church, uh, as we're able, because that's what God instructed us to do in his word. Hebrews chapter 10, he told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, That in part has been why this particular time that we're in right now has been so challenging is that we we sense that longing we sense that emptiness when we're not able to gather as we know uh, we desire to as Christians and we know that the Christian life was never intended to be solitary we are a body uh, we're described as the flock of God as the building of God we're described as a family as a holy nation and when we come together uh, we worship we exercise our spiritual gifts Uh, We know that we've passed from death to life. That's one of the evidences because of our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we gather, we gather for teaching and worship and edification. And all of that, as we pray and give and participate in the life of the church, serves as a public testimony of our love for Christ. Now, as the psalmist tells us here, praise should be the priority of our lives and our priority as we gather for worship in the sanctuary of god and as the sanctuary of god he references also the mighty firmament in the second part of verse one Uh, that's referring to the heavens it's a call for all of the heavenly host to praise god we've seen that pattern in the psalms that precede this and we're to praise god everywhere we're to praise him on the earth we're to praise him in the heavens god's glory fills the expanse of the heavens and then that brings me to the second thought from this psalm and that is we're to praise god in all things we're to praise god in all things look at verse 2 praise him for his mighty acts praise him according to his excellent greatness now think about the mighty acts of God. Uh, we don't have time tonight uh, to survey the many mighty acts of God. In fact, we could spend all of eternity, and I think we will spend eternity reviewing those very things. But we should praise God for his mighty acts because God has done some great things. We can outline these in the Psalms. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. Speaking of the messianic hope, psalm 23 speaks of the lord as our shepherd who provides our every need psalm 32 tells us that god is merciful towards sinners who are repentant who recognize his holiness their sinfulness and god's provision psalm 57 reminds us that god is sufficient in a time of trial we learn a lot about god and we learn a lot about ourselves and then even like psalm 71 speaks of Uh, God giving us grace uh, in our old age. Listen to what Psalm 77 and verse 11 and following says. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and I will muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God. You are the God who works wonders. You've displayed your might among the peoples, With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. So everything from creation to the deliverance of the Hebrew people out of Egypt, to the faithfulness of God to his people in the Old Testament, to the promise of the Messiah and delivering on that promise and the coming of the Messiah, all the way through the finished work of Jesus Christ focusing us forward all the way to eternity. Psalm 119, God has given us his word to guide us. Psalm 139 tells us that God has formed us uh, even while we were in our mother's womb and he ordained all of our lives. So I want you to think about all that God has done for you. He's given you life. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, he's given you eternal life. He's faithfully sustained you. He has promised you A bright future and a certain hope, and we are to praise him for his excellent greatness. Praise him for all he's done and praise him for who he is. He is perfect and he lacks nothing. Now, it's interesting if you look down through history, uh, historically, people used uh, the add on uh, the great to their name to designate their own greatness think about it alexander the great uh peter the great catherine the great now some of these people are just absolutely terrible people so the idea that they called themselves the great or somebody else designated them that is absolutely absurd but the reality is god alone is great and no one has ever or will ever fully grasp the depths of his greatness First Timothy 6 and verse 16 says, He's the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He alone possesses immortality, and he dwells in unapproachable light. Revelation 4 and verse 11 says, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created psalm 145 and verse 3 says great is the lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts our praise commends god and his works in our lives and to the next generation god is holy and loving He is just and gracious. He is full of wrath towards sinners, uh, towards sin, but he is full of mercy towards sinners. He's unstoppable, all-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere. He's the judge, the redeemer, the righteous one. He's glorious. He's beautiful. He's majestic. He's incomparable. He's created all things. He sustains all things, and on and on it goes. And we should seek to know God as he has revealed himself in his word, and open our mouths to declare him to those who are around us and now for the third idea we're to praise god with everything that we have praise god with everything that you have verse 3 says praise him with the sound of the trumpet praise him with the lute and harp praise him with the timbrel and dance praise him with strings instruments and flutes Praise him with loud symbols, praise Him with clashing symbols. Now here's the idea of this verse, these verses, that we're, we're to use the best of everything that we have to praise God. Now, I think everything you have includes a joyful approach. Obviously, worship needs to be reverent as is fitting in the presence of a holy God. When we confess our sins and we reflect on the cross it's certainly a serious matter but we serve a risen savior and everything that we have includes a joyful approach as well as a fervent approach to worship and praise apathy in our spiritual lives is, is so dangerous if you get to the place where worship of the living god or spending time with the living god it's just ho-hum, run-of-the-mill, been there, done that. If that's your attitude, you're in a dangerous place. Because fervent praise comes from a focus in our lives that understands who God is and what he's done. You remember Jesus told the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 that the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. So what does that tell us? Worship and praise is a matter of the heart. It's empowered by the Spirit, and it's informed by the truth. Praise engages the whole heart. And unless there's a passion for God, there can be no worship in spirit. At the same time, worship must be in truth. Meaning that it must be properly informed. Spirit without truth leads to a shallow, overly emotional experience. Truth without spirit can lead to a dry, passionless encounter. And I believe that the more we know God, the more in depth our worship will be. And that's why we're told to worship God with the entirety of our being, with our whole heart, soul, mind and strength you see real worship and real praise is god-centered that's that's what the psalmist is telling us it all comes back to god worship is not about you or me or us praise is about our god we worship him because he's worth it that's what the very meaning of the word worship is And in our consumer-driven society, it's so easy to forget that. And we each have styles or forms of worship and praise that are meaningful to us. But we have to come back to the question always, is this God-centered? Is this about Him? And instead of focusing on whether we like a particular expression of worship or whether we like a particular form of praise we need to try focusing on whether or not it's about god and furthermore what god might be saying to us through it and that's why he's speaking here in the psalm about so much variety and really giving it everything uh, that we have real praise is going to be biblically grounded and i think what we need more and more of in the church is an emphasis on god's word empowered by god's spirit. The modern church has a tendency to chase after fads and trends. It's even been interesting as we've gone through this pandemic circumstance, and I've seen uh, any number of articles that have said uh, church has changed forever. We have to change to this particular form because it's never going to be the same again. Well, we have a, a patience perspective of about 30 seconds in the church. And I think we probably should all just relax a little bit and see what God wants to do through it before we start jettisoning jettisoning things that we've been doing for 2,000 years. And I think that's the absurdity of the level that it's gotten to. Praise is going to be biblically grounded and heartfelt. It's not just going through the motions. Uh, It's not just uh, mental exercise It engages us in a deep place where repentance is real faith is deepened and commitment takes place now let's look at verse six before we finish let everything that has breath praise the lord and then he bookends it again as he has these other psalms with praise the lord again remember 13 times we're instructed to praise god God commands praise, and it's a matter of our obedience to a great God. Now, let me summarize what I've said tonight by making this point. I believe all of life is worship. Whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. And if you cannot do it as unto the Lord, it's probably sin, and you should be doing it anyway. But. Everything you do, you do it as unto the Lord for his glory. And when you think about it that way, your vocation will become worship. Your recreation will become worship. Your church involvement is worship. And you're doing it all for the glory of God. And that should be our focus. And that changes our attitude about everything. And we don't loathe the ordinary things that we have to do in life Uh, We appreciate them and we value them because we see that they're a way to bring honor and glory to God. I close with this illustration. It's from the movie Uh, Walk the Line that I'm not necessarily endorsing, but this is a good illustration. It's a biographical story of the music legend Johnny Cash that many of you have probably also seen. Uh, It's very uh, rough around the edges because his life was rough Uh, not only around the edges, but probably to the core as well. In an early scene, based on Johnny's first audition for a recording contract, uh, Johnny and his two band members are in a studio with music executive Sam Phillips. The song they're auditioning, however, is a common gospel tune that he and his band perform flatly, without emotion or without conviction. And partway through, Phillips interrupts and he says this, hold on hold on i hate to interrupt but you guys got something else and after an awkward pause he explains i'm sorry i i can't market gospel no more i don't record material that doesn't sell mr cash and gospel like that doesn't sell and then johnny asks this question was it the gospel or the way i sing it both phillips replies well what's wrong with the way i sing it johnny asks philip's response is telling he said i don't believe you you say i don't believe in god johnny's friends attempt to get him to leave but he pushes forward he says i won't understand i mean we come down here we play for a minute and he tells me i don't believe in god and then philip said you know exactly what i'm telling you we've already heard that song a hundred times just like that just like how you sang it and Johnny says, but you didn't help. You didn't let us bring it home. Bring it home, Philip's asking this disbelief. All right, he says, let's bring it home. If you was hit by a truck and you were lying out in that gutter dying and you had time to sing one song, one song people would remember before your dirt, one song that would let God know what you felt about your time on the earth, one song that would sum you up, you telling me that's the way you'd sing it? That same Jimmy Davis tune we hear on the radio all day about your peace within and how it's real and how you're going to shout it? Or would you sing something different, something real? Because I'm telling you right now, that's the kind of song people want to hear. And he referred to it as a song that saves people. Now let me just ask you this question. What kind of song are you singing of praise in your life? I'm not talking about an actual song, but what kind of message is your life singing? Do people believe it? Are you passionate about it? Are you praising the Lord with everything that you've got? That's a life we're privileged to be called to. Sing the worship of your life like you mean it worship in spirit and in truth let's pray together father thank you for this time that we've spent in the psalms during these summer weeks and now into september we're grateful that uh, we've gotten a better uh, perspective of who you are and who we're supposed to be in you father we've all fallen into the apathy trap from time to time and been complacent about our worship and our lives uh, at times have not been sung like we meant it and i just ask that you would forgive us of that help us to be fervent in the way that we praise and the way that we live and because of that that people would be drawn to you and want to know more about you and that we would be bold enough to share a verbal witness about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our eternal hope. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining with us again. I look forward to seeing many of you on Sunday. And if I don't see you in person, I'll see you online. And I hope you have a blessed remainder of your week.